0: Hi everyone, Kirk here with a little bonus for you all as we enter the second week of Max Fun Drive 2021. As you all doubtless know, if you've listened to the show, folks who sign up to become Maximum Fun members get access to our monthly bonus episodes, which often take the form of beans casts, aka spoiler casts, where we spill the beans on games, movies, and shows that we've played and watched. Earlier this year, we did a beans cast on Star Wars The Mandalorian, which we all really liked. It was a lot of fun recording it, so during Max Fun Drive, we wanted to share that bonus. Episode with all of you here in the main feed. That episode follows this little intro. There's nothing new about it if you've already heard it. We didn't edit in any new takes or anything. But for those of you who haven't heard it, we wanted to share it with you all to let you know the kinds of bonus episodes that you will get if you become a member and support us creating this show. And of course, if you become a member now or before May 14th while Max Fun Drive is still going on, you can also get access to some cool bonus goodies. So go to MaximumFun.org join to find out more about that. And just as a warning, this episode. Does spoil all of the Mandalorian's first two seasons. All right, let's get to it.
1: I'm Maddie Myers.
0: I'm Jason Schreier. And I'm Kirk Hamilton.
1: And this is a beans cast about the Mandalorian. It is a
0: beans cast. Time to spill
2: some beans.
0: (laughs) In a in a in a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there were some beans.
1: There were. And we gotta decipher them. We gotta share them. Oh
0: man. Well, (laughs) thank you. Thank you
2: to everybody listening to this because if you're listening to this, you're a subscriber. So, you're a member. thanks for supporting a member. the show. Yeah, yeah. you're a Max Fund member, and we appreciate your support as we talk about Star Wars. We
1: hope you watched both seasons because there's a lot of crazy shit on this show, and you should experience it for yourself. You should yes. complete both seasons. We will you be spilling the beans to the on beans. both
2: seasons of The Mandalorian, both current seasons of The Mandalorian.
1: So, just to refresh everybody's memory. Baby
0: Yoda's name is Grogu. Just to That's, refresh everybody. <laughs> the just to refresh everybody, thing.
1: Baby Yoda's name is Grogu. We will be calling him Baby Yoda roughly 50% <laughs> of the time for the episode because he goes by both. Um, right. So season one, episode one of The Mandalorian was a Disney Plus launch day release. Very, very exciting stuff. Remember November 12th, 2019? I it was kind of
0: do. Can I say that it was... It was kind of the demon souls of Disney Plus's PlayStation 5. <laughs>
1: it was. It was. And you and I watched it, Kirk, and I think we talked about it on split screen yeah, way back at I the time. We watched we that debut, we were excited about it. Jason, I don't think you watched it at the time did you no
2: because my disney plus was entirely old simpsons
0: episodes and still kind of is <laughs>
2: yeah the astros yeah, you...
0: playroom if you will <laughs>
2: but that to me was the demon souls of disney plus it was like... the
0: god of war at 60 frames per second <laughs> yeah, of, exactly. of the, uh, the, oh the exactly. yeah it's
1: not 60 frames per second uh, but it's more like the original demon souls on ps3 is what simpsons episodes are uh, but Jason, you did not watch this show until the past couple weeks. You you didn't yeah. watch any of it until the past nope. couple weeks? Well, I'm just going to start with episode. you. Why not? Yeah. Jason.
2: Well, so uh, first of all, I should say I got so much of it just from people fucking spoiling it on Twitter, which is <laughs> yep. really obnoxious and rude, especially when they spoiled the very end of season two for me, um, which kind of sucked. And yeah, I mean, that's happening with WandaVision, too. It's interesting that just people... the What happened... Uh, uh, the other day on Triple Click I talked about WandaVision as one more thing and I actually said that I really enjoyed that it was airing week to week because there could be this conversation about it. But the downside to that is that if you're not watching it, it is like you will it is impossible to avoid
0: getting things ruined for you. You know what? Let me tell you a good way to avoid getting spoiled on Disney plus shows it on Twitter. Not reading Twitter.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: not going on <laughs> Twitter ever.
0: <laughs> Galaxy brain thing. But take. Kirk,
2: if you <laughs> go to any website, you go to any website, and like there will be like I
0: I go to the Ringer every day. Or if you
1: work at any website, for example, yeah, like say if, if you, you work, work at, at
0: Polygon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll. I mean, I'll see the headlines that are like the big reveal on this yes. event. But yeah, I, but I don't get directly spoiled the way that on Twitter it'll actually be like gifts right. of the thing that happens. Sure. <laughs> so sure, sure, sure. You, know, can, know. you can avoid them if you or like. And
1: the person's name the character's name will be trending because like people can't resist typing it out in their tweets right. and then you're like right. oh I guess Boba Fett is in this show because every single person is tweeting Boba Fett mm-hmm. at the same mm-hmm. time so that's like that's how these things get revealed or at least that's how I learned that Boba Fett was going to be on this show I imagine that's many people's experience um, but Jason what are, what are your overall thoughts?
2: Yeah I, I marathon all of this I, I always knew I was going to watch it at some point because I, I watch most Star Wars really things um, and I marathoned this over the past couple of weeks and um, it's so funny like my opinions of season one and season two like are so drastically different I watched season one and I was just like okay this is cool And it's fine. And then season two, which I think really develops the relationship between the Mandalorian, Mando and Grogu um, in a way where it like really takes it to the next level, uh, just blew me away. Like I, I thought season two was awesome. I got really, really hyped on all of season two and enjoyed it very, very much. Um, so yeah, those are my overall impressions. I think it's a pretty cool show. Um, it can be overwhelming with like the names and the action can be kind of blurry in that star Wars style. And also the dialogue, especially in season one, I noticed this more the dialogue can be very wooden in that star Wars way. That is like, like, I, I feel like everything involving star Wars has to just follow the George Lucas spirit of having like at least some absurdly bad acting and dialogue and stuff like that. Um, um, but overall I've just yeah really enjoyed it um really actually maybe it's it's the fact that Giancarlo uh, Esposito popped up and since he popped up like the show has been awesome because he always takes everything to the next level when it's like yeah, oh oh shit Gus Fring is here it is time it is time for the real show to begin um <laughs> But yeah, um, I really enjoyed season two. And yeah, overall, I like the show a lot. I think it does a lot of cool things and was just really fun to watch, even if I was looking at my computer during some of the action sequences.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. So Kirk, you are way on the other end of the spectrum. You watched all of it live week to week, right? Yes. How was that for you?
0: Uh you know it was it was different. I'm actually kind of the opposite of you Jason. I like season 1 better than season 2. So did I. That's so funny. Um <laughs> I and here's why. Um I loved this show when it first came on and that was because when I watched it it was in the uh sort of to just smoking wreckage left by The Rise of Skywalker, (laughs) Uh which um, in a certain other podcast, there is a very long episode of the three of us teeing up on that movie for a long time. We don't need to re-tee up on it here, but that movie just left me feeling bad and burned out and like I was so tired of Star Wars. And The Mandalorian, to me... Was so surprising. I was not expecting to like it as much as I did. And what I liked about it was that it was so different. It was so the kind of Star Wars story that I'd wanted to see. It was like Dark Forces Star Wars. It was no Jedi, no people you've actually ever even heard of. The only tie-ins to the show are like. Pretty backgrounded for the most part. Um, And it's just this Western. And they're using all these classic Western setups. The one episode, the Bryce Dallas Howard episode, I can't remember what it's called, where they go to the town and the town is like the bandits with the ATST and they have to fight them off. It's so classic. And I was like, this is just cool. Like, it's Star Wars stuff. Um, Crucially, it looks like Star Wars, which I think is important. Like, just seeing a TV show that looks like this, that looks like a friggin' multi, multi million dollar movie, was just kind of fun. And it's just, it was just cool cool, and really low-key in a way. And then season two was also just really entertaining throughout. I really liked it. I loved all the stuff they were introducing. You get these great characters. You get Rosario Dawson and Katie Sackhoff, a bunch of, like, it fleshes everything out. I do like Giancarlo Esposito, though he's a little bit of a mustache-twirling villain. I don't know. He wasn't... Totally my favorite, if I'm being honest, of my of his many performances. And he's kind of in everything now. Like, I just watched The Boys, and he's in that. And he's kind of always the same character. Like, he's always Gus Fring. He was cool, but I'm more into some of the other stuff. But then... Toward the end, it really started to just feel so Star Wars-y to me, and it really coincided with when all the Jedi shit started happening. And yeah. as cool as um, Rosario Dawson's character is, I was like, oh, we're like getting into the Force, and now he's like reaching out with the Force. And then like Luke Skywalker shows up as this Deus Ex Machina at the end, and I was like, Luke Skywalker is here, like, and now we're back with the Skywalkers. And I just was done with them, and. I it didn't like color my overall enjoyment of the show. Like every episode of the show is just like a really entertaining good time for like thirty five to forty five minutes. I don't have any real gripes there. But seeing all of that and then also seeing all the spinoffs they're setting up and how it's going to become this huge thing, mm. and I was yeah. a little bit like, man, I liked when this show was just this kind of cool, scrappy Western that like had a bunch of my favorite TV directors and movie directors just kind of screwing around in the backwaters mm-hmm. of Star Wars. So I kind of am a little more hesitant about future seasons, even though I'll absolutely be watching it. It's so
2: funny. So, Maddie, I'll throw it to you in a second to give your overall thoughts, but Kirk, I just want to respond to one thing, which is that um, I think my reasons for liking season two so much more than season one are... To- the total opposite end of the spectrum from the stuff you we were talking about, which is totally valid reasons to not like it. But the reason I like season two so much more is because it feels like it's one overarching story and it's more about the relationship between Mando and Grogu in a way that wasn't really, de- was like kind of developed in season one, but like even just like, like the season two moment to me that really stood out, like I'm sure everyone was like, Oh my God, Luke Skywalker. And yeah, that was cool and all. But the moment to me that was like, this is the show in a nutshell was um, Mando taking off his helmet and like having that moment with Grogu and that to me was like that's this is the reason I'm watching the show this is the reason I love this season it felt like this season had an overarching story an overarching character arc and relationship and like it was building to something whereas season one the western stuff that you all like also felt to me like such a monster of the week type of like oh what kind of may- mayhem is he going to get into this week like oh now he's fighting an AT. but that's cool there's not enough TV shows but I, like that but I liked it. but I don't that like time. that that's that's not what I want from TV. Like, every like,
0: TV show is a big serialized story. I mean and no, Jason but I don't want that. that. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like
2: I, I want I want like Monster of the Week stuff that to me it's totally fine if that died out in the nineties and never comes back. Like I want overarching oh stories God. from my and overarching relationships. I and, think
1: like, that
0: the first season had both, but I want to hear more of what Maddie thought. Of
1: yeah, Maddie, what are sure. your overall thoughts? You know, it's funny, Jason, because I feel like my take on this reminds me also of what you said about WandaVision on the show recently, where you tossed off the fact that you didn't like the first two episodes of WandaVision and that you liked it more as it went along. And this feels very similar to both my take on the Mandalorian, which is like, the first season is doing something specific that no other Star Wars property is doing. And also WandaVision in those first two episodes is doing something Mm -hmm. very weird that no other MCU property is doing. And those are also my favorite things for a lot of the same reasons that Kirk just laid out. But let me backtrack and describe how and why I even watched this show. So back when it aired, I watched the pilot. Kirk and I talked about it. If somebody were to go all the way back and listen to that split screen, they'd probably notice that I was a little more lukewarm on the pilot than Kirk was. And I did not watch any more of season one at the time. I watched and I was like I don't know I'm not ready to go back to Star Wars I was so mad about that movie (laughs) I was so disappointed in it and I watched the pilot for the show and I was like seems cool, but I don't know if I even like Star Wars anymore. Mm -hmm. And then like months and months went by and I don't even know why I started watching it again. I don't know. I was bored. COVID happened. I had nothing to watch. I was depressed. I was like, maybe I'll (laughs) give The Mandalorian another chance. And season one is really slow. And that was something I noticed when I watched that pilot. I was like, you really got to get into a different mental mode to even Mm -hmm. watch season one of The Mandalorian. Not that much stuff happens per episode. Like, yeah, there's a monster of the week, but like it's not necessarily a big monster all the time. Like sometimes it's like a pretty minor conflict that the Mandalorian just like standing around thinking about and like there's barely <laughs> any dialogue. It'll just be him like driving a speeder for 10 minutes while some cool music plays and you're just like, chilling watching this show. It's very meditative. So I I think I got in this depression place during COVID where I was like very, very into season one of The Mandalorian and it was done by the time I was watching it. So I got to watch all of it in one go and be like, this is a very thoughtful show and it's weird and I like it and it doesn't feel like Star Wars and I'm enjoying that aspect of it. And season two was almost a disappointment for me in some of the way that midway through WandaVision was, where I was like, I need to readjust my expectations of what Mm -hmm. this show is. Mm -hmm. I am now watching more of a Star Wars movie in season two. And like around the Ahsoka Tano episode, which... I think that is a gear shift for the show. Like after that point, it becomes much more Star Wars-y. It's not just that the Jedi are there. It's like the episodes pick up speed. They get snappier. More stuff happens per episode. It is not the slow meditative crawl across the desert. And yeah, you're right, Jason. Like they're building on the relationship between Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian, but I would argue that's happening the whole time and the payoffs that you're describing in season two are possible because of the subtlety of season one. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Those, those payoffs do happen in season two and they're very emotionally rewarding. And I, I totally agree with you. Those are the strongest parts of season two for me. But it's also just true that season two feels more shiny and Star Warsy and peppy mm. and quippy and action focused in a way that the first season wasn't. You know what I mean? Kirk, you look like you have thoughts.
0: There's a Well, there's like a transformation that happens that the show earns. And I think that's very true what you said about how all of the character stuff that happens in season two. And there's some great stuff. I mean, the scene where he takes his helmet off in the Imperial mm-hmm. um, yeah. mess hall is just like really fantastic. And you've learned he's doing it all for Grogu. He's doing it all for the baby Yodes. And, for like, the
1: greatest puppet that's ever been designed yeah, by anyone. And, <laughs> like, and that's really
0: nice. And it does work because they set it up in season one, the part of the transformation, I guess, that bums me out is the inevitability of it and WandaVision is a really great parallel because WandaVision starts as this completely weird thing Mm -hmm. that is very specific and not like anything else and even while sharing, I think, Jason, some of your feeling, like, I was definitely rolling my eyes some at the sitcominess, while knowing this isn't going to be the show. Like, I Mm -hmm. knew that there was this inevitable thing that's going to happen at some point we're going to go outside of the TV not to, like, turn this into a WandaVision Beans cast, but when that happens and now these current episodes it basically becomes an MCU movie and now mm-hmm. it has it has that same energy that same look the same lens flares the same yep. tech, same costumes and like, you
1: get to see right, Vision in his of movie the same costume, characters, costume right. and so on yeah.
0: and they're talking about all the stuff that happened in the MCU and sometimes that's cool like I'm down to hear people talk about whatever MCU stuff just like in Star Wars sometimes mm-hmm. it's cool and I'm like into the idea of like Grand Admiral Thrawn I know that that guy is like a great character that people love and when yeah, he's
1: in the clone she, worst cartoons don't worry we'll get to it
0: <laughs> right so like that and I know people are excited about that but you're I completely agree about that episode, because that was the episode where I was looking stuff up, because I didn't watch The Clone Wars, and I was like, okay, who is Rosario Dawson? Who's Grand Admiral Thrawn? I thought she was going to be involved with Moff Gideon, but she isn't, and really what she's doing is setting up her spinoff show, which is going to be a whole other thing about her, and then, like, also, who's this person, and who's that person, and soon it's like, oh, wow, these are all characters from the expanded lore, and like, oh my goodness, this has become so complicated, and that was the first time I was explaining to Emily stuff that I was, like, on my phone, Being like, oh, okay, so this is who that was, and it's not even like I knew. I was just sort of reading it off to her after we watched the episode. Where in season one, it was much more like there's this the the episode with the Jawas, where he's like, it's almost a silent film that whole episode. Like it's just him trying to get his stuff back from these weird little like sand guys, and like (laughs) then he just gets his ass kicked, and then has to like it's just this long weird kind of I don't know a western samurai thing.
1: I feel like the other thing that I noticed about season one that isn't as true of season two is that in season one, I found that I couldn't really look away from the screen that often because I would miss something because so much of it is purely visual. Like I would miss like, you Mm -hmm. know, baby Yoda doing something in his little egg while floating around. And then later (laughs) I'd be like, wait, what happened there? And I'd like have to go back and watch it. Like I had to actually sit and watch the show in season one because it's, it's, there's almost no dialogue and nothing happens other than you watching the characters exchange meaningful glances or like do physical actions. Whereas in season two, I mean, it's fun, but it's like, you can kind of watch it in the background of something else, and you're like gonna understand what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot more. There's a lot more expository dialogue. So, anyway, I, I guess I guess we can we can talk about season one. Well, so, the-
2: I mean, one of the other reasons, I mean, to both of your points, one of the other reasons that I didn't connect as much with season one is because all of that quietness and stillness and visual focused storytelling is really really tough to makes it really really tough to connect to a main character who is wearing a helmet the whole time. And doesn't show his face, and oh, that I shows. That, I thought that you did bro. barely any shred of humanity. Yeah. I really thought no, it I worked. Agree. I, I like connected. <laughs> I connected with him once he started demonstrating humanity and like prot- being protective of. Like over the course of the season, definitely. But really, well, yeah, he's got to
0: have an arc. He can't just be a nice guy from the very beginning. That's but the I'm point. The, but
2: there's a difference between a nice guy and <laughs> nobody. Like literally, a helmet that you're watching. Would like we call
1: the Mandalorian a nice guy? That in and of itself is hilarious. <laughs>
0: Yeah.
2: I, there's a difference between between a, like, yes, a character arc has to start somewhere, but that somewhere is like literally nothing. Like, you're just yeah. staring at a piece of I think of that's armor. so
0: cool. Like, he doesn't have a face, and he's Pedro Pascal, the man with one of the greatest faces in the world. And, like, they gotta I up the to Paris, that face. you don't yeah, see so his face. And he just, that you know it's him, and it's, you know, probably it's a stun I know it's a stunt actor, some significant percentage of the time, yeah. but it's him whenever he could be, because he really wanted to do the performance, and then... Yeah, but I also I also thought it was super contrived, like, all
2: the flashbacks to him like in as a kid like getting getting his planet getting bombed i don't know there was this, a lot of stuff about season one that just did oh. not work for me as well as like once i got really into the show once you started hearing mando talking a lot more and pedro pascal is phenomenal like talking in that kind of he kind of good monotonous talking. voice but also like he had like like it's mm-hmm. it's a great he he captures the character perfectly and a lot of that didn't start until like the latter half of season one once he started like really getting connected to this kid and that to me is the heart of the show and like so much of season one just didn't didn't work for me because it didn't have that yet and maybe it needed to to be slow and it needed to set up those arcs but like for me like season two could have it, it could have even been like monster of the week but we just watched this growing connection between Mando and Grogu as long as it like that is really what made it work for me I don't care I haven't watched Clone Wars or Rebels or any of that stuff so I don't I didn't know who Ahsoka or where any of these characters were either but like I couldn't look away in season two because I didn't want to miss any Mando lines of dialogue or Mando and Grogu stuff versus season one where I just didn't care as much so yeah it's interesting it's really interesting that we we had such that I had such a
0: disparate like a different reaction to the show than the two of you You know, one thing I think that this show is a testament to is the incredible costume design from the original Star Wars movies because whoever designed that helmet, the Boba Fett helmet, Bing, feature Kirk here just to tell you who designed that armor. It was uh, Star Wars art director Joe Johnston who worked with a concept artist named Ralph McQuarrie to design the original Boba Fett armor for uh, the original Star Wars trilogy. The story's pretty cool. I'll add a link to the show notes. Um, They were actually initially asked by George Lucas to design a sort of super uh, stormtrooper and the idea was they were making this elite stormtrooper armor but then when they came up with the design they thought the design was cool but it would have been too expensive to make a whole bunch of that armor. So they scrapped the idea and then later came back around to it when they were designing armor for Boba Fett. So Joe Johnston, credit to you man. Your your art, your this design for this armor has carried on for so many decades and uh and it really is pretty amazing looking armor. Okay, back to the show. Bing. It's so incredible, I think, and this I guess is is um that Jason, you maybe don't feel this way, but like I think that it was amazing how Many different um, energies that freaking helmet was able to convey just (laughs) through body language and through the pacing and the other actors that were acting off of the Mandalorian. There are so many scenes where someone will say something and then it just cuts to him and he like looks, looks at them and it's just this weird vertical line in the middle of like a metal helmet. And yet it's like menacing and, or like sarcastic or like Uh just with the tilt of a head. It's like such a cool challenge to set up for yourself at the beginning. And I think the way that they navigated it was, was great throughout. And like, they did this amazing arc. Like you said, by the end, you totally believe it, and you know him as a character. That was a real feat, and I can't think of many shows that have ever done that before with the characters showing their face so little.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's really true, and I, I think it also speaks to how popular Boba Fett became as a character, even though he yeah. does functionally nothing at no, all right. when you first see him. <laughs> it's truly just that his helmet and his overall yep. look was so freaking cool that you and can project onto him you can just project all of that badassery onto the like two lines yep. you hear about disintegrations or whatever and just be like great boba fett is the coolest guy ever and he dies and that is overshadowed right. by the fact that he rules and we're gonna be obsessed with him and forever. he dies he, he dies in a comically shitty way too i know <laughs> it's, like,
2: yep. it's I know. like a joke it, a punch but point. he doesn't die
0: guys he, he clearly didn't well no die. i know but in the uh, for most I know of my he life doesn't he died.
1: die but like he died yes. like yeah. it was yeah. retconned like can we just all accept that that yes, he that's died? That's fine. It's and fine. we're just accepting that he is now alive again and it's yep. okay it's And fine. there are space
0: wizards and it's all fine.
2: <laughs> I feel like we, t- we, we must have talked about this in the past with Star Wars but like my my like childhood experience of Star Wars is more prequel stuff than sequels than, than original trilogy stuff because the prequels came out when I was like like I saw them in theaters blah 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 um, so I remember Boba as being like Jango's son and I remember Jango as being like the father of all the clones lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Lot more like that. That to me is a lot more. I don't know. I guess integrated into the lore than just Boba Fett as some random ass mercenary who has two lines and serves Jabba the Hutt. Um, so, so like the Django stuff is kind of like so. So I I, I see a lot more importance in that that family um, as a result yeah. of that.
1: I'm very impressed by past you because even though we are the same age roughly and I also watched the prequels, I feel as though I retained none of them at the time and I did not put together who the clones were or why any of those movies mattered at all until I watched watched the Clone Wars cartoons, which are essentially like an extensive fix-it fiction by Dave Filoni, who also worked on this show, (laughs) attempting to take the original prequel movies and fix them just in a series of elaborate seasons where he's like okay Anakin didn't have a character arc I'm going to write one I'm going to create (laughs) a Padawan for him named Ahsoka Tano and by training her and bouncing off of her personality I'm going to create a character for Anakin Skywalker that never previously existed so that it is sad when he becomes Darth Vader and betrays everyone because like without that arc you don't give a shit about those characters. And if you are a person listening to this show and you've never watched the Clone Wars cartoons, first of all, I don't blame you. A lot of them are really dumb. But also, if you have seen them, you will finally like Anakin, for one. And mm. also, you'll know who Ahsoka is. And she's the coolest. And it is really <laughs> cool that she's on this show. I, Even though she's in a season that I have kind of mixed feelings about, I'm also like... I feel as though I'm finally being rewarded for watching a whole bunch of a children's cartoon that is (laughs) fine but has some really really awesome moments and it's also like a reward for Dave Filoni for like coming up with a cool character arc on this show that only children watch and a couple of weird adults (laughs) like me that he's like okay um finally my time is now I'm going to come (laughs) in and help John Favreau write this live action Lucasfilm project for Disney plus and like Put in my cool Mary Sue, and I say that in a loving way about Ahsoka Tano, double light saber-wielding, badass Jedi defector and put her into this show. And And give her a spin-off. How cool she is, finally. And she's
0: a Twi'lek, which is like a corrective for how Twi'leks have been treated on this series. Yeah, Yeah, Twi'leks.
2: Maddie, the reason that uh, the prequel stuff has stuck with me... um, I guess two reasons. One is that I saw them in theaters with like like large groups of friends so I have fond memories of like going to the midnight releases and, and all those like the theater cheering.
0: After the movie discussing trade embargoes with all of them. Yeah, trade embargoes.
2: Yeah, it <laughs> yep. was awesome. No, I remember the theater going crazy when Yoda took out his lightsaber and fought Count Dooku.
1: I mean, I did too. And, uh,
2: what about when they were
0: discussing Senate bylaws for like
2: 10 yes. minutes? Oh, oh yeah, that was, that was great
1: as well. <laughs> Democracy dies, everybody laughs. Also,
2: I had the Legos. I had the Lego sets from uh, the Star Wars prequels and that that that's what that it really, really it
1: solidified the clones. As always,
0: it's the merchandise. But
2: I actually thought, and I was so confused for many many years because I assumed that all of the stormtroopers were then clones, and then there was some convoluted nonsense about how no, they were humans because they were all set. Blah 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 blah. But but yeah, I I thought I actually thought that was one of the coolest parts of the prequels that like all these stormtroopers we had watched in the original films turned out to be clones of Boba Fett's dad, and then that didn't even turn out to be true. So yeah, there's some some. Some real nonsense. Yeah, it
1: also like barely makes sense, even if you think about it. Like, is that mm-hmm. actually cool? Like, what you just said, if you think about that, is that cool? Or Maybe is not it actually oh, I, really I was talking about me as a kid.
2: I thought I was, oh, as yeah, a of kid, course. I thought it was
1: cool. If you're 11 years old, it is cool for every single character to turn out to be Boba Fett, kind of. That exactly. is kind of cool. <laughs>
2: exactly. Well, that's what George Lucas thought when, when uh, I Lucasfilm was working on, LucasArts was working on Star Wars 1313. And at e like, just before E3 2012, George Lucas comes. In and it's like, hey, everybody, uh, the character is Boba Fett now. And they're like, what? Every
1: single stormtrooper is Boba Fett. All of them. They're all yes, kind of exactly. that guy. Everyone exactly. loves
0: Boba Fett, that armor. I'm, t- I'm telling you. Um, so Dave Filoni also <laughs> yeah. worked on Avatar The Last Airbender, as yes. it happens. He was a director on multiple episodes of the first season of that show, which, so this guy is like, got real cred. And I am really impressed by him. He was someone who I wasn't aware of until I watched this show. And then I started looking up the directors of various episodes because I know Favreau, of course, he's like become, he's like the the triple a whisperer of non video game <laughs> properties you know what i mean like marvel and now now star wars he's very good at making this kind he's of come stuff a long way since swingers that's pretty and, good i mean uh, swingers was great too he's kind of always just been pretty good he
2: was on he's on one of the worst episodes of the sopranos called d girl uh oh, where yeah. he's shooting a movie and christopher uh, comes and meets him and threatens him and it's a whole thing
1: like he plays a director
2: on the show. That's he, plays Fre- he plays John. He plays know. himself. Oh, oh, oh! I see. That's fun. And so Christopher meets with him, and like he's talking about doing a mom movie, and then he steals Christopher's idea, and Christopher like brings a gun to a meeting with
0: him. It's a whole weird, mm-hmm. weird thing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of when that show is. Yeah, well, anyways, we'll talk about The Sopranos <laughs> some other time. So Filoni rules future beans cast, <laughs> sure. um, and also so season one also um, Rick Famuyiwa, who was the writer and director of that movie Dope. Have either of you seen this movie? No, he rules, and so there's kind of all of these people: Bryce Dallas Howard, of course, people know from like the Jurassic World movies, but also yep. as a director. Yes. and um, and then Taika Waititi, who who directed Thor: Ragnarok and What We Do in the Shadows, and many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool that there are all of these, like every episode, basically. Season two has Robert Rodriguez directing that mm-hmm. one episode. Um, Peyton Reed, who made the Ant Man, uh, two Ant Man movies. They've got a bunch of really great talent on this, and that's something that this, I guess, underlines the way that Disney can bring that kind of talent to bear on a show like this. This just doesn't quite feel like any other TV show to me. um, Because both the budget, the technology that they're using, I don't know if you've ever watched if either of you watch these NVIDIA videos that are, like, about have, the technology yeah. that they use? Yeah. They have this, like, rear projection screen technology where they're rendering in real time the backdrops with, like, sets that they've built that are not exactly on green screens. They're, like, on screens that are actually showing the background of whatever planet they're on that then yeah. moves and changes focus with the cameras and lines up. It's this wild technology. And when you watch the videos of it, it's like, oh. So that's how they're able to make this show. Kind of so quickly and Mm -hmm. probably for cheaper than it would be, though it's still really expensive. Anyways, all the talent, all the technology, all the productions of it, the way that it has this like considered artistic viewpoint and someone like John Favreau running the show, who's like at the helm of some of the most successful things anywhere in the world. Like it just it's the whole thing is operating on this huge level that. I guess it kind of feels like to get a show like this, you have to pay the price of it eventually becoming a Star Wars movie, maybe? Mm. Because you're just never going to get a show like this in any other universe.
2: Well, I think that, I, I think that, like, I guess this is kind of cynical, but I think a lot of the reasons they stuffed so much into season two is because they were setting up for all the other Disney Plus shows that they're adding to the Absolutely. to the table. They have like ten new Star Wars that's shows. That's their whole thing. I mean, that's what every coming. Marvel
0: movie is. Like, yeah. they've been doing this for a long time, and it's it's working out. First
2: of all, I'm I'm very I'm actually really happy that they're going the route of TV shows rather than more movies because I feel like going they had their chance to like make a coherent Star Wars movie series and it clearly did not. I mean, there will
0: be more Star Wars movies too. i'm sure
2: yes but like hopefully they'll give them some thought and plan them all out in advance but the the confinements of a tv show may mean that essentially especially when you're doing like these eight episode runs 10 episode runs you have to plan out everything in advance of your one season at the very least and that alone will make it a way more coherent more way more coherent stories than the skywalker the new skywalker trilogy right um Mm -hmm. but also but i think that like knowing I mean after the ending which we can get into where like Luke Skywalker comes and takes baby Yoda to Grogu to go off and mentor him somewhere and who knows what's going to happen there and clearly Mando is going to want to see him again Mando has this whole plot line where like he has this blade that uh that what's her face uh Bo-Katan needs to uh to rule Mandalore. This is some Clone
0: Wars stuff, right, Manny? The Dark Blade and the who oh,
2: rules yeah, Mandalore. Oh yeah, it
1: is. The Darksaber. Point
2: being that there's a lot of plot lines left for them to go down at this point that they could go in any sort of direction and it feels like some of the stuff like Boba Fett, there's a post-credits scene where like Boba Fett is sitting on the throne of the Huts and, and Tatooine. Yeah, because they're
1: gonna do a Boba Fett show as well. That's setting sure. up the
2: Boba series that Ahsoka Tano, like episode was setting up her series. I feel like maybe even like I don't know if the, what that renegade is. What's it called? Rebels of the, the Star galaxy Wars Rebels? Yeah, no, no, or no. There's the other one, one other. Yeah, yeah, I yeah know the what other you're one.
0: Like about. Rebel Hunter or something like that. But, Bing! Future Kirk here again. Uh, the show that Jason is talking about is called Star Wars Rangers of the New Republic. And it's one of a whole bunch of Star Wars shows that are announced. Some of these I didn't even know about The Bad Batch, and Andor, Star Wars Visions, Orlando Show, The Acolyte, A Droid Story. There's a lot of Star Wars shows coming. But anyways, the one that Jason is talking about is called Rangers of the New Republic. Okay, back to the show. Bing. It feels like that. It's also like maybe uh, uh, Bill Burr's
2: character is going to do that, but it feels like they've already done kind of. They laid their ground. They've done what they needed to for that stuff, and so those people aren't going to appear again. And we can just kind of focus on like Mando and Grogu, and like it feels like they got that out of the way.
0: Yeah, you know how it's going to work, though, right? It's going to be like More it's going to be like these comic movies where yeah, they each get their own show, and then occasionally Mandalorian shows up on right, Boba Fett's show, show and of occasionally course. Asuka turns up on the Mandalorian, and then probably at some point they do like but i think that's cool i'm not complaining about that yeah no i'm not saying this is bad i'm just saying it's very clear it feels very formulaic and then at some point they're all gonna have to come together to fight off you know uh thanos no way they're not
2: (laughs) they're not gonna see no That Please, that would be some no. nonsense. At some point, they have to come together to fight off Emperor Palpatine, who is Not
0: back. It, like that again that will
1: happen at some point, and it'll rule. Like it'll be amazing. But he's collected a series of stones, uh, kyber crystals, <laughs> oh, oh and he's putting these kyber crystals into some sort of uh, piece of armor. <laughs> the, Don't worry the, about it. The, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh kyber glove. So to, to circle back to your point, Jason, about TV shows versus movies, I. I agree with the thrust of what you're saying, but I also think it really matters who's in charge of the TV show. And I just want to emphasize like... Dave Filoni's gift with the Clone Wars in my eyes, it's not necessarily like television show pacing. I feel like that show has a lot of pacing problems, but his gift to me is simply that he and I agree about what makes an interesting Star Wars story. (laughs) And to him, he does not necessarily, or at least the stories he writes indicate that he does not necessarily think the Jedi are very interesting or even very ethical. And the idea of like no attachments, like that's something that he and Ahsoka struggles with a lot in terms of her own training and, like, the context that's missing from this show is that Ahsoka... Defects from the Jedi Council and decides she doesn't want to be a Jedi anymore. Like, everyone refers to her as a Jedi in The Mandalorian all the time, but she actively rejects it because she's like, There's a bunch of fucked up stuff that you guys have been teaching me since right. I was a kid here, and I don't want to do it anymore. And after Anakin's downfall, she's basically like, Screw this. Like, you guys are bad teachers. I'm going to go solo and just be a cowboy and like wander the world and have lightsabers, but like, I'm not dark side. I'm Sweet not light white side. Lightsabers. Yeah, but, like, the fact that there could be a character in Star Wars canon who isn't super into that binary of dark and light, and there's a lot of characters in Clone Wars who are that way, where, like, they are outside of that binary, and that, to me, is so interesting, and, like, that's the stuff that The Last Jedi got into, like, the idea of, like, Mm -hmm. is it okay to have feelings sometimes and be a Jedi, like, what is true morality in this world? And like, is it is it as flat as it seems? And like, those are very Dave Filoni vibes in terms I of mean, an energy you can go in. You and, know, like,
0: another character that that has to deal with the whole, the fact that their role tells them to let go of all earthly connections and then they decide not to and forge a new path is Aang from Avatar The Last Airbender.
1: It's true, it's <laughs> <Same> true. I <laughs> mean, there's, there's a lot of similarities I thought there.
0: you are going to say Grogu because
2: that's going to be Grogu's whole thing and yeah. it's going to be awesome. But that's what's so exciting about season two. So you saying all that, like, isn't that what's cool? I
1: like that stuff. That's the stuff that I think is cool. But then what is contradicted by that is the Luke Skywalker ness of it all like the ending? But he just where shows Luke- up.
2: Okay, but I just think of that. I don't think he's going to be in the rest of the show. First of all, because it's probably so impractical to have all that CGI shit like for an entire show. and have
1: Mark Hamill come in all the yeah, time. You God. know, he loved it though. Like, yeah, right. I, he's not doing anything. <laughs> I mean, but that
2: that felt so earned to me because it makes sense. Like, Grogu is calling out. It makes sense that from the beginning, it makes sense. We knew from the beginning he was this creature that had the Force, like is clearly related to Yoda and Yoda's family in some way. Which, by the way, total tangent, but it reminds me of there's actually a Yoda creature in Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, the old game. And so, like, you get to see the earliest, earliest iterations of that species, which is hilarious. But, yeah, clearly it's been setting up as, like, this kid as the force, like if he has the force, someone needs to train him in some way or another, whether it's his family or another Jedi, clearly they went with the Jedi route, but like who else is going to be around to come and answer that call? Like there aren't a lot of Jedi left. It all made sense to me. And it also feels like a really good, like coming full circle with like him wind up, winding up being the master for this creature that looks exactly like his previous master. I think it all is very earned and cool. I also think it's not going to be a huge part of, of the future of this show. Like, I don't see Luke Skywalker coming in and playing a major role in the cast next season. I could see something where it's, like, Grogu escapes or Grogu is kidnapped or, like, some some way
0: of breaking them apart. Or, like,
1: decides he doesn't want to be a Jedi. Yeah,
0: that's most likely. I think that that is true. I don't think Luke Skywalker is going to be a main character. I think that the thing... The specific thing, it's that it was Luke Skywalker himself. It's the fact that there's this gravitational pull that the Skywalkers have over Star Wars. And it's the feeling of, like, never being able to get away from it. Because the big, like, full circle thing at the end of season one was partly just that all of the people that the Mandalorian met over the course of the season came together for this final showdown. But really, it was that he repaired this droid from the very first episode that he killed. And then the droid who you came to love voiced by Taika Waititi became this like wonderful sort of battle mom figure like holding the baby and killing stormtroopers and then sacrificed itself to save them all. And that was this like great full circle for an arc that they set up at the very beginning of the season that was self-contained to the Mandalorian. And -hmm. I thought that was great. Like that episode was so much fun and I loved the way that they paid that off. And it was like, oh, this is so cool and it's its own little self-contained thing. And there is a big difference between that and having the payoff be and now here comes Luke Skywalker the same guy from that same bloodline that's been like coursing through this series to just show up and he's gonna be the big thing at the end of the episode but
2: from the beginning this always had to happen because you had a baby friggin Yoda who was like <laughs> set like super high in the force No but power. it
0: didn't have to happen what if the Jedi didn't come and then you know the Mandalorian just had to figure it out like that would have been a cool twist. Then,
2: then this kid might get all fucked up like I I, I think that like as a story teller you have to explore this like this will be fundamental to the the tension between like that drives the show the Grogu and Mando relationship next season is like now he has this option of like going where he's supposed to be and like is he gonna answer the call is he gonna break away like there's gonna be a lot of interesting stuff I'm not saying it
0: doesn't work narratively it's just the feeling of like oh it's Luke Skywalker here we go yeah
2: I get no I totally get you I just feel like it's earned and it's not like he just popped in because we wanted to see Luke Skywalker I
0: mean it kind of felt like they thought people wanted to see Luke Skywalker the Boba stuff feels a lot more contrived
2: to me than the Luke stuff the Luke stuff feels very earned and the Boba stuff doesn't
1: it's funny it doesn't to me because Boba Fett is also such a key figure in the Clone Wars cartoon so I feel like I like he's a little baby on those cartoons timeline wise but like little baby Boba Fett is on that (laughs) show so I feel like I know that guy and I like understand his journey in a more concrete way and like the idea of him showing up again makes sense to me but Luke I'm like that guy's from the movies what's he doing here This this is a TV show only TV show cameos in my TV show, please. That is the only thing that is. Yeah, allowed. it's a little <laughs> of the
0: feeling like when they go to Tatooine in season one, which was the one season one episode that I didn't care for. That Han Solo wannabe guy who winds up betraying yeah. him, and they're yep. like in the in the whatever the bar in Tatooine, and I was like, this is too like I was like, yeah, like I don't I don't need this. So it is, and it's partly my thing. Just uh, like I know it's a personal thing of just feeling kind of burnt out on it. That any yeah. they're like, but we're gonna go, don't worry, like, Star Wars fans, it's still a Star Wars show. Um, yeah. Like I'm, I'm like, you don't have to do that.
2: But that that set up Fennec Shand, who is pretty awesome. I've got yes. To so oh, Ming freaking
0: cool. Speaking of, man, everyone on this show rules. Ming-Na Wen rules. W- did any of you watch Angels of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Holy crap. No, yeah. but
1: I know she's on there.
0: She <laughs> rocks ass on that show. <laughs>
2: like, she is really awesome. Um. So, there's one point I wanted to bring up, which I also found really compelling that we haven't talked about yet, which is that in season one, we learn all this stuff about the Mandalorian fanboys faith and their tribe and how yeah. this is the way and they can't take off their helmets and they like bring all their best vest bar to the to the uh, forge and make things and all this cool stuff, all this lore that we, we never knew before and it led to a lot of questions um, for Star Wars fans like why did Boba Fett take off his helmet or Jango Fett take off his helmet like when they clearly can't take off their helmets and then in season 2 you find out from Bo-Katan and some of the other Mandalorians that actually our main character Din Jan, is part of a cult that's like a very different offshoot of the mandalorians yeah. and like is super intense a bunch of zealots and like he gradually like starts to care less about that partially because he heard that but mostly because of Grogu because he's trying to save Grogu um but i find that super compelling and i hope that is like really explored in future seasons the tension between that cult of like mandalorian zealots and their beliefs and their systems versus the 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 main population of mandalorians yeah
0: i mean my my guess is that season 3 is going to be be very Mandalore-focused, if only Mm -hmm. because Bo-Katan clearly is vying for the throne and doesn't have the Darksaber because now you know uh, the Mandalorian is the is the rightful owner of the Darksaber which doesn't make Unwittingly. such a video game such a video game I plot. Know. There's such a conflict coming between them though but I like the idea of her becoming an antagonist yeah. that's a more complicated, not a villain exactly but like someone who is coming for well, him Well she
1: already kind of was an antagonist mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. in season yeah. 2 like she's very yep. tricky with the Mandalorian mm-hmm. about like taking over that Imperial freighter and like not giving him all the information and like eventually she tells him how yep. to find Ahsoka but like she's very withholding and and also makes fun of him a little bit like I thought that she was going to be a villain earlier Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I just read Katie Sackhoff as being a villain and also it was funny because I I have watched all the Clone Wars cartoons but I also completely forgot about Bo-Katan because I watched those cartoons in Mm -hmm. 2015 and I like only vaguely remember all the Ahsoka and Anakin stuff but there's like a trillion other characters on that show and I'm like wow I didn't know that Katie Sackhoff Was voicing the character Bo Katan on that show, and then they cast her as the live action version of her Mm -hmm. character on this show. Which, by the way, the fact that they can even do that is so freaking cool because Katie Sackhoff is Katie Sackhoff. Like, you know, she can handle an action heroine role and, like, be fine. And I guess the ages, like, happen to line up for her um, Mm -hmm. because she's younger in the Clone Wars cartoons and so on and so forth. But yeah, that was just. It made me want to rewatch the stupid Clone Wars. And I'm like, why? I guess I'm a Star Wars fan again now. So the show has done its job. (laughs) I said I had issues with season two, but I completed watching it. It is as whatever feelings I may feel about Luke Skywalker and being burned out on Star Wars. The first thing I wanted to do was watch a bunch of Star Wars stuff. So (laughs) they they got me again. I'm going to watch all these stupid television (laughs) shows.
2: (laughs) Wait, I have a question.
1: Yeah. Go Why ahead.
2: is it so so um Mando got the dark blade by defeating uh uh, uh Young Moff Karlo. Gideon. Yeah,
1: Moff Gideon. But
2: she but he didn't have to kill him like he just fought him and then got it yes so why can't he just like lose in a like single like one-on-one nah. well because she <laughs> has
1: to genuinely defeat him and like yeah but she doesn't have to she? kill
2: him yeah but she doesn't have to kill him well
1: but could she actually defeat him Could she even defeat him at all we haven't seen them go toe-to-toe and he can't
0: throw the fight like he can't
1: I- throw the fight he has to actually genuinely be fighting right. her. i mean i think they're gonna fight in season three that's Inevitable, sure. yeah, but also of like of
0: course, there's a sword, and you can only have it if you win a
1: fight. <laughs> there's a freaking cool sword, and the sword the is like. The question
2: will be: What if Mando like turns out he actually wants the throne? That'll be interesting. Or what if what if he has to he has to win the throne to save Grogu in some way? There'll be or some She
0: proves to not maybe be a great ruler. Could also right. yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What were you going to uh, Oh, that I mean, that I think that for all of my my complaints about the tie-ins with Star Wars stuff that are overly familiar are pretty minor compared to how successful I think this show is at exploring the unexplored parts of the Star yes. Wars universe. And that's mm. always been what's so enticing. That's what was so cool about those LucasArts games back in the day. That's what was so cool about Knights of the Old Republic is that you gotta go to Kashik and like hang out with Wookiees and see what Wookiees were doing. And it was sort of this thing that if an imaginative person explores it, you know, you you meet Chewbacca, and you're like, okay, well, there are these Wookiees, and they clearly have, like, an honor code because he has a life debt to Han Solo, but we don't know that much about him, other than that he's awesome, so, like, <laughs> what's the deal with Wookiees? And then in that game, you kind of got to see it, and at various other points, they've gone... There. Also in Jedi um, Fallen Order. Also in, well, in Jedi Fallen yeah. Order, one of the nice KOTOR vibes of that game is that they go there. Um, though it's nowhere near as, you know, it's not an RP- it's not an RPG, so you're not going around talking to wikis right. the way that you are in Kotor
1: but there's a little bit of cool stuff in there and I mean I remember talking on that episode where we talked about that game about the Clone Wars crossovers where like the Sisters are on that show and like part mm. of why I thought the Sisters were so cool was because it yep. was yet another example of non-Jedi force right. users which again this is Dave Filoni's fascination clearly is like what about people who can use the force but they're not Sith or Jedi what's up with those people it's a really big galaxy and like exploring all those other tendrils of Star Wars that are not explored in the mainline films that are very Skywalker-centric, very Jedi-centric, and just being like, what are other people doing in the galaxy? That stuff is always more interesting to me because it's such a big world, as long Mm -hmm. as the right people are writing it who (laughs) focus on the things that I personally like. So, you know, Dave Filoni, basically. It moves
0: away from the fundamental... um the least interesting thing about all of Star Wars is the light side and the dark side. And yet, Star Wars is obsessed with the light side and the dark side. And it's so yep. simplistic and childish and that's fine for like the first movie and for what it was supposed to be, but when you mm-hmm. then build an entire massive like not just multimedia empire but like narrative just universe off of the the premise set up in the 1977 movie, suddenly the whole thing is built around this extremely binary and simplistic view of good and evil, and it's always going to be more interesting when you can take a character and be like, okay, but like this person doesn't adhere to that at all. They're just sort of in the middle, like most of us, like most interesting characters in the history of anything.
2: Yeah, well, that's why it's interesting... That's why it's so great when the show does things like make the 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 rebel what are they called the New Republic soldiers dicks
0: Uh, like their guards
2: are dicks and like there's some people one of those
0: Dave Filoni by the way playing one of those uh, one of those X-wing pilots oh nice.
2: And or they're people, they're people from the Empire who are actually pretty sympathetic characters, like Bill Burr's character, or like, uh, or like Werner uh, well, Herzog. <laughs> <Or yeah>. like, <laughs> just Is, well, is or he sympathetic?
1: Ca- Would we no. call? Him He's Werner
2: Herzog. He can't be. Sympathetic. I was gonna say, I was gonna say Cara Dune, who uh, will no well, longer be on the show. The actress
1: is not sympathetic. Cara but... Dune,
2: it turns out, went back to her home planet and will never be seen. Again. She went to the farm. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. Oh fun fact: gosh. Gina Carano, I just discovered, blocked me on Twitter because I did a tweet that went viral that was making fun of her acting. That was like it was basically like I see why she was fired for her tweets, but why wasn't she fired from her act for her acting before that? And, and she found she, that tweet, and she, she blocked found you. it. Yeah, she stumbled wow. upon it.
1: That's cool. She knows who you are.
2: Congratulations, Jason. Thank oh, you. Thank congrats. you. Um, yeah. we won't. We don't have to get into all that. Um, <laughs> I mean,
1: it is kind of disappointing, though. Like you, you do have this this actress who like has a body type that's often not shown in media mm-hmm. and like a character mm type and class is often not shown in media. Like There were a lot of things about her character in season one that people were very excited about. She knows how
0: to fight. I liked Haywire. She she can kick ass.
1: I would agree with you, Jason. I think she has very wooden delivery. She mm-hmm. <laughs> clearly is more of an action
2: it's star. Almost, it takes you out of the show when she yeah, talks, I wasn't, actually. Yeah, I wasn't
1: a fan of her line delivery, but I was also like, oh, it's pretty cool to see like a very physically built woman in a lead role in yeah. a Star Wars thing. However, Definitely. the actress's politics are a to me, and I agree (laughs) with her firing. So, you know, you would start to lose some. (laughs) But
2: (laughs) But we we don't have to get into all that. I was going to (laughs) say, speaking of not being evil or good characters, but I was going to say, Kirk, to your point before, about Moff Gideon being a mustache-twirling villain, I think and I hope that he's going to prove to be deeper than that, sort of like how Bill Burr's character was revealed to have layers, especially because we keep seeing him talk about how he already got Grogu's blood. We don't know what he's doing with that. I'm sure there's some big evil plan, but I feel like, I hope that we get more of Moff and well, that reveals him to be a more interesting character. And
0: structurally, anytime you're setting up a secondary antagonist, like they're doing with um, Bo-Katan, your yeah. primary antagonist from before suddenly becomes, you know, the Bowser. Or whatever, you know, like becomes sure. like a, a sure. more he's like a right. villain, but he's the, the villain that you kind of know, and he's yeah. a little more familiar in. Yes. And maybe your yes, maybe yes, their yes, goals yes. will align for a moment, and they'll work together. Because yeah, mm. I, I would imagine that he'll become be more
1: Seven. Yeah, which almost happens at the end there. The other storyline that I'm I was interested for both seasons and am more interested in in the third season is the attachment theory around Jedi powers and like the idea that it's somehow bad for Grogu to be too attached to the Mandalorian, which again, this is a Dave Filoni fascination and it's a fascination mm-hmm. of mine. Just the idea that that's inherently bad for you to have any type of feeling for Jedi someone else. Jedi so weird. <laughs> and, right? But Such it's so, it's religion. very cool to see a story that is directly poking that weirdness of the original mm-hmm. Star Wars movies and just being like, isn't that odd? Like, is, is this sort of father-son relationship that the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda have, is that is that inherently evil? Is that is that what's going to turn him to the darkness? And that, I just love that the show is about that, first of all, and that- I mean, I wish they had done a little more with Ahsoka because I know that as a character, that's something that she really struggled with and I sort I'm of sure expected her show. Yeah, that's right. her to show get into for. that for her yeah. because I was like kind of surprised to hear from her that she was like, I can't teach him because he's too attached to you because I'm like, come on, Ahsoka. You were like the person who thought that hmm. that was a problem in terms of the Jedi teachings but you know maybe the years have changed her and she's had her own feelings after Anakin and Darth Vader and all that. Oh,
2: I read that as her I read that as like literal her saying she's too she's not powerful enough to be able to like right. sever the attachment the way someone like Luke. Might be that's
1: yeah that's another possible interpretation hmm. of it. I, I thought of it as more the idea of no attachments according to the old guard Obi-Wan way. Of course Obi-Wan is also informed by Anakin's downfall in his Teaching of Luke, but yeah, this is interesting
0: because I I don't remember her language, so I could be totally wrong here. But I actually read it as her being like, it wouldn't be right for me to take him away from you because he's so attached to you, which would then line up with your with would be consistent, right, with your read on her character. But
2: she, but then she immediately gives him instructions on how to contact the Jedi, right
1: to the the temple. Yeah, yeah. But does she know whether? The Mandalorian is going to go with Grogu and Luke. I mean, because it's Luke and Luke's been taught this very firm, like, no attachments form of Jedi training, you know Luke is going to take away Grogu and be like, no feelings. You need to have, like, perfect (laughs) mindfulness in order to use Mm -hmm. the Force. And, like, no love, no hate. That all leads to the dark side. Like, that's Luke's style. And, of course, you know, we know from the later movies that it's also something he feels bad about later on. Right, it's something he winds up
2: regretting. Well, that's the thing. Is like the things we know from the later movies will contextualize this stuff in an interesting way. Like we know that Ben Solo shows up and kills everybody and was Grogu one of them? I mean, something's going to happen to Grogu. Like who knows? Yeah, is
1: Grogu there? Does Ben Solo kill? Is Grogu
0: Ben Solo? (laughs) Grogu is Ben Solo. Could be. In theory, that's the perfect theory.
1: Does do the Yodas have a, a pattern of development where they become Adam Driver for a second, and then they become do think, Yoda? Later. Do you think that
0: there's like there's got to be like uh, some big conspiracy post somewhere, like connecting all the dots? Like Grogo right. is Ben Solo? Like a YouTube or like video the with, Sith
1: Jar Jar theories yeah, or
2: whatever? Yeah. Charlie with the red
0: strings. Um,
1: yeah. I just
2: want to I want to go to slight tangent here, which is that watching Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda is so perfect in every way, and watching him the way he's handled is so well. Watching him as a, a father. Of a a baby is so interesting because like I'm sitting there, I watch the show after dinner. Kid is asleep. I'm sitting there with the baby monitor, and like sometimes I would be watching and I would be like (laughs) like, look at the baby monitor to see if it was her making a noise on this like that baby Yoda. Baby monitor would start floating away from you. (laughs) (laughs) Baby Yoda is handled so perfectly. Everything from him like eating things he shouldn't be eating to like the the noises and the curiosity and committing genocide against a bunch of frogs. It all it all. Lines up perfectly. Can I say
0: that I know that the frog thing was controversial, but I thought that episode was hilarious. And no, that it was, was really like, funny. It was cute.
2: Yeah. It was very cute. But yeah, everything about him is like, like as a kid, like it's it's captured very perfectly. Like they clearly mm-hmm. were parents, had parents in the room, like very clearly, like knew, yeah. knew what they were doing.
1: I feel like he was made in the lab to go viral. Like I really mm-hmm. feel like Baby Yoda was created for the age of social media. Like the the scene where he's drinking tea in the first season. Oh, I'm no, like, freaking of course yep. they gave you a tea reaction gift. Like I see all of the machinations and mm-hmm. yet they still work but it on works. me anyway. So does it matter? But yeah, it, it, you do see that the strings.
2: It's such a fine needle to thread to make that work, even when you know that it's like being like com- comprised for 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 viral for virality for sheer virality. And I think like it's a real credit to the show that they were able to pull that off and make it feel organic,
0: even while they're doing that. When the show um, debuted, they didn't have any Baby Yoda, any the child um, merchandise, and you couldn't get a plushie. Yes
1: they wanted to preserve the because secret because it
0: was a big it was a big twist at the end of the yeah. episode. right and so then yeah. but then for like a significant amount of, it wasn't like they revealed it and then they were like and now on the store 29.99 get yourself uh, the child doll you couldn't get one for a long time That's so then true. on etsy there were all these like like sort of off-brand unlicensed oh, Baby Yodas that you could buy and then they would you know they would get like taken down Take with down like notices, copyright claims yeah. eventually and then they finally now I'm sure there's tons of merch but it so was funny, funny that there was this whole period of time where like the market just rose to meet the demand because Disney just didn't put out a toy of like the most adorable Star Wars character maybe ever <laughs> that everyone wants a plushie of
1: I mean that's kind of nice though <laughs> since they're usually wanna... merchandise yeah. to the hilt a lot and, of
0: like... Etsy people probably did quite well because of yes. that it's true
2: George Lucas created the prequels because <laughs> Because merchandise. Right, it's I funny. Know. It's funny. <laughs> like I mentioned before, I have the Legos, so hey, I was mm-hmm. I was part of the problem.
1: Yeah, did you also see that Werner Herzog did that interview about how he had argued that they should keep the puppet? Because originally they were going to have a CGI Baby Yoda, and he like called them cowards, wow, and he was really? like, you have to use the puppet. It's like the only way. I, I mean, thank goodness he stood up for it, because I think part of why the show works as well as it does is because people are literally carrying Baby Yoda around, and he feels very real because he is real like it would suck if he was CGI yeah
2: there is a moment where Mando is holding him I noticed this the other day and Mando is holding him and like Mando's hand moves way too easily like it feels like there's no weight in his hand at all um, <laughs> and it's it just it threw me off a little bit it like feel like felt like he was holding air or something or like a super yeah because he
1: needs to be like the weight of a baby listen he's very strong
0: <laughs> speaking yeah. of puppets I really liked Kuil I think was his name who Nick Nolte yeah. voiced in season yes. one Another incredible character. I Have Spoken. I Have Spoken is wonderful. And just that he was this puppet, and he looked like a fucking puppet. Like, his lips didn't match up with what he was saying exactly. He didn't have that weird prequel, like, just CGI lips flapping exactly along with the things. He was just this... But it was wonderful. And, like, Nick Nolte was wonderful. His performance was so great. And that was, like... It was also a really meaningful death. It really sucked. It was just sort of this out-of-nowhere character that didn't need to be on the show, but you still liked, just sort of gets killed. And uh, I like that about it, too. I thought it just everything about his character was good from the beginning until the end.
1: Yeah, I didn't expect him to reprogram that robot. Didn't expect any of it. It was great. It was a great season. Season one, greatest season. I'm glad we can all agree on that.
0: (laughs) Season Um... two is dog shit. (laughs) (laughs) The official triple click stance.
1: (laughs) Fuck Luke Skywalker. Ruin the show. (laughs) Show is ruined. (laughs) You know what else was really cool? Now we're just listing cool things. It was really cool when Moff Gideon was like, release the Dark Troopers. I was like, that's sick. That was when I was like, all right, this is very, very Star Wars. I'm locked in on this. I'm locked in <laughs> on whatever this is. I'm locked yeah. in on Moff Gideon saying the phrase, release the Dark Troopers. That was, I was cool. a little <laughs>
0: let down by the actual Dark Troopers. <laughs> Were Just you? like... A little <laughs> bit. They were just kind of dopey, but it, it was <laughs> cool that Stupid. they were just weird yeah. robots. I really liked when cool Mandalorian that fought robots. that one and it was just this unbelievably hard <laughs> yes. thing to kill.
1: See, I thought that was so cool.
0: Yeah, that was very and cool.
1: And the, the friggin' Beskar spear, I mean, that's the mm-hmm. part of season two where I am more close to the side of Jason, oh. where I'm just like, once I clicked into just yes. being like, oh, I'm just watching a Star Wars movie, I can just be like, okay. Is pretty sick though. That like, episode <laughs> probably,
0: <laughs> the scene where um Ahsoka is fighting that horrible magistrate lady.
1: Yes. And they're just
0: going off and like meanwhile Mandalorian is also having this fight. Like that was killer. That episode ruled even though it was like this turning point to more Star Wars stuff it was yeah, a great I mean, episode and the show is always like it's always entertaining I, I, I said this to Emily multiple times I was like I like that every time we put on this show 45 minutes later we're like well that was great <laughs> Like it's kind of just like well that was a hell of a fun way it's to spend
1: another great episode of television yeah,
2: incredibly like, fun to watch yeah, yeah. a super fun mm-hmm. to watch show and man yeah credit to the folks behind it talented folks behind it shout out to Ian Melham who was on the show a couple of years back back when he was a game developer who wound up working on this show and like is a visual supervisor
0: at ilm on the show there is and there is one person that i didn't mention this whole episode but i have to shout out and that's ludwig uransson the composer for this show The sickest oh my theme, God. fantastic music, so yeah, good. such good music, and also it uses the bass recorder in a better way than most other things. There are a couple other uses of the bass recorder, but that is a bass recorder. That whoa whoa, whoa,
1: whoa. What is a
0: bass? Re- is that like a recorder that's only bass That is a recorder.
1: Is that what that yep. is? Because I love that theme. They play it a billion times. I never get tired of it. The it's little so mando theme.
0: Cool. Yes. Um, that theme every time it comes in there's some great there's like a recorder fugue that plays at one point in season two where it's a bunch of recorders like written in a fugue
1: That It's nice that you know, because as I was watching it, I was like, what is this weird sound, this flute-like sound that they use on this theme song? It's strange. It's It's a bass recorder. It's a dope
0: instrument. I don't have one because I just haven't found the right place to get one, but I really want one. Because it's just, recorder can be a little high, but like bass Mm -hmm. recorder has just got that nice thickness to it. And it sounds very much like a kind of, whatever, bass flute or something. but that sound and then they've put it through some filters and he's like overdubbing a bunch of it and then it just mixes with you know these killer beats that he's so good at this is ludwig Göransson, who also scored black panther and many other things mm. he's a, a great um film composer and it's yeah, a, again tracks. a sign of like how they were able to bring in like the top talent the coolest people to work on this show and he like all he does all the music for the show he didn't just like write the theme and then farm it out to someone else like he does all the music and it shows it's like so musically cool every episode is great it's
1: so great it's so great okay so I guess we can close in on the end of this uh do you do y'all want to say final thoughts final predictions for what for what you think might happen in season three Jason you want to call it
2: yeah, I mean, I spoke about some of them before. I think uh, I think we'll see Grogu again pretty quickly. Like, I don't think the show is just going to be like, okay, now he's gone for a season. Because I think so much of the heart of the show, like I mentioned before, is about that relationship between the two of them. And it would be a real shame to just give up on that and go, like, chase something else for five episodes. I think you need to, like, bring that back right away. Um, I think there will be some reason why we have to go over Luke go back to Luke and go chase after him. Maybe Grogu's in trouble. Maybe Grogu, like you guys said, decides that he doesn't want to be part of the Jedi Order and get Jedi training. Maybe there are other options. I don't know. But I'm very excited to see where it goes. Um, and yeah, I mean, this the, watching the show has also made me really excited for like the Bubba show and the Ahsoka show in a way that I didn't think I would be before because, like you guys, I was pretty burned out on Star Wars after Rise of the Skywalker, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty pretty stoked about this whole thing and very, very much enjoyed Mandalorian. Was considering watching Clone Wars, but I don't know if I really have the stomach to get through it all. It's a
1: real journey. I don't even know if I would recommend it or not. It's so many episodes and like, I don't that's know, you problem. can look up some skip lists. I but... have
2: other things to watch. I want to go watch The Expanse next, so that's my mm-hmm. It's a good show. show. And yeah, right five just ended.
0: It was great.
1: What about you, Kirk?
0: Um, yeah, I think I agree that I think that the that uh, Baby Yoda will be back very shortly, and that you know Luke isn't going to be a main character or anything. And I think it'll just keep going in these cool directions, which is nice. Just knowing that there's going to be this Asaka show, there's also going to be um, the Boba Fett show, and that they can form their own little sub you know, Star Wars universe on Disney Plus is the TV shows and then cross over with one another and build toward, I do think at some point there's going to be, maybe just on the finale of one of those shows where all those characters come together again for something and it's going to be really cool. Like, it'll just be this great, you know, whenever in five years thing that I bet is on a whiteboard somewhere at Disney HQ oh, um, God. or at, at Lucas MCU HQ. MCU
2: approach. There's, yeah, there's the got to be. One MCU is enough. I don't
0: This is going to be like Favreau will be the uh, the the feige of you know of this that's my guess well no kathleen kennedy is the feige of this well that's true true. but i think that the i think that the next season is going to cover uh mandalore i think we're going to go back to mandalore we're going to learn more about it and i think that's cool because i was also enticed by learning that there are these different sects of their beliefs Mm -hmm. and that there's going to be this sort of political struggle between various factions for control that all sounds neat to me i'm totally on board that sounds super cool
2: And then it was interesting, the Empire turned it into glass, someone said at some point. Yeah. So I don't know. I assume that doesn't mean literally, but we'll
1: see. It could. It could. I mean, Mm -hmm. if it's a sand planet, there could be some glass there from explosions. There could it could be a very weird-looking planet, which could be Mm -hmm. very neat to see. Pretty
0: cool. Use that NVIDIA
1: tech. This is not a prediction so much as my hope that season three gets back to a little of the weird slowness of season one. I know that'll be sad for you, Jason, but I would (laughs) like it if this show stayed in the weirder territory of Star Wars and, and developed more of the outskirts and the characters that we don't see as often. I, I'm fine with your Boba Fetts and your Lukes, but like, I also enjoy just meeting completely new characters or like new kinds of droids or things we've never seen before and then letting somebody play around in that space and come up with something on the outskirts of Star Wars so I'm hopeful that season 3 does I'm, that I'm
0: fine
2: with that as long as no, there's I know, still I know. an overarching like storyline and mystery like and as long
0: as Luke Skywalker shows up at the end I'm fine with <laughs> <rest of> <laughs> sure,
1: because sure. we just need Luke what, will Leia show up at the end that would be terrible <laughs> that don't would do
0: really, it that would really seal the deal don't do did it did you guys
2: think of this I'm sure this has been brought up a million times but it reminded me of like the opposite of Rogue One at the end of Rogue One when Darth Ugh. Vader comes out and like massacres yeah. a bunch of people. And, this yeah. is the exact opposite of that. Leia's Luke.
1: at the end of that one too though. So No, but not that, forget
2: it. forgetting about that part. I'm just talking about the Darth Vader part where he, right. he you just see sure. him like going on a rampage
0: getting to see Luke doing that. Uh, you know thing. my take on that scene though, right? I have a whole take on that, which is that basically. Yeah, that the first part ruined it. I know. I yeah, know. it would be like that if Luke Skywalker had turned up halfway through right, the season of, randomly. <laughs> yeah. of Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Mandalorian season two. But this is them recognizing that
2: mistake and remedying. Yes. It.
0: P-
1: possibly. Yeah. possibly. Possibly. Yeah. I don't know. Depends. Anyway, I'm excited for season three. It was fun yeah. to spill yeah, the beans. Me too. It was. Uh, this yeah, been. fun
2: beans. Yes. Thank you again to everybody who listens to the show and supports the show and yeah. therefore gets our bonus episodes. Thanks so much. Yeah. All right. See you all next time. All right. Bye.
1: Bye.
0: Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you're listening to this bonus episode, it means you're already a member, so thank you. We really appreciate your support. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time.